So I, I think, you know, by just taking an arbitrary number of five years, it just sets a, a, an objective up that we would be done with in five years. But if it could be achieved, it would be monumentally large scale. This is Charisma Connection on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm your host, Chris Johnson, and today we conclude our series with Michael Jeb of the Strategic Prayer Initiative. He is the founder and president of that organization in Chicagoland, as they say. So welcome, Michael, and thanks for joining me again on Charisma Connection. Hi, Chris. It's good to be back with you again. Well, Michael, I imagine that anyone who is head of a prayer organization like you are would be driven to build up the lives of those in our church pews in terms of prayer. Now, you do a lot of research in this area, so could you tell me how strong or how weak the prayers are of American Christians? Yeah, I can give you some information. You know, we've talked about a little of that before, but let me give you some new information. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the questions we ask, and I always do say to people, the real numbers that matter are the numbers at your church or your group or yourself, um, because there are some variations, obviously. <clears throat> but one of the questions we ask is about people's fully focused time in prayer on a daily basis. And I would liken that to Jesus in um, Mark one thirty five, going out to a lonely place and praying. I mean, he's not standing in a line or driving his car, which I'm not saying you can't pray during those things, but he's fully focused. And so we do ask Mm. that question. And we find that about a third of the people um, will say they don't pray at all that way. You know, the, the, it's like seven to 14% will say they don't pray at all that way. And then if you add in uh, roughly two minutes, it's, it's a strong third of the people that are basically zero to two minutes of fully focused prayer. And I, I would argue that that's, that's not really tapping the powerhouse that prayer is. And, you know, if those people were to be in accord for a lot of them, we would be doubling their amount of prayer and it would be so simple. They could do it during a TV commercial break. So, you know, there's tremendous and, and by the way, when you say a chord, you're talking about the prayer chord that we talked about yes. in our last episode. Yep. Sorry. You're right. Okay. Um, yes. And a prayer chord has that two minute a day prayer commitment, which is just super manageable. Mm-hmm. Um, the other stat that, that stands out to me pretty strongly is that when we ask them to self-rate their prayer life, it is a strong third again that will say that they have a poor prayer life. So um, that's a lot of people. That's a third of the people sitting in the pews, and they're saying poor. And of the ones that are doing well, that are good or mature, it's only about a quarter. And so you've got a a lot of people, you know, there's a a big group of people that are rating themselves as fair. And if they're doing well, but being fair, then we can get them to good pretty easily. And they're doing poorly, you know, but still saying fair, you know, not doing that great, I mean. Um, we can truly help them, and we can help them in a way that's not overly burdensome. So um, the the numbers show there's a great opportunity, and and the methodologies show that there is a way to do it. 
Yes, and Jesus sure pointed the way, didn't he, when he went to that lonely place and he was fully focused. So that's something good to be reminded of. Now, we've been talking about some of your tools and resources at Strategic Prayer Initiative. Tell me about what you call the 5Y80 objective and how it can raise up at least a 5 million member group. Yeah, no, I'd be happy to. Could I quickly mention the other tools that are on the website? Sure, please do. Um, there's the diagnostic surveys. There's the strategic per data sheets. Those are a prayer guide called the pink sheet. 75% of it changes every month. There's a prayer cord system. There's a 5Y80 teams, which is like prayer cords light. There's a pastor's stay strong prayer teams. There's a quick check card for group assessment. There's silver bullet prayer teams. There's yellow sheet prayer teams, which are like silver bullets on light. And then there's the 777 prayer packets are available. And uh, all those are tools that, that you know, don't cost anything that have been built around the research and around the testing and the prototyping to drive actual success, to drive growth that works. And if anyone wants to go to your website, it's spiprayer.org, and they can check out all of those tools. So back to the 5Y80 objective, what's that about? Okay, well, that's our shorthand for a God-sized goal of having 80% of the Christians in America, the, the sincere, true Christians, developing a good prayer life and then maintaining it for five years. And the reason why we set that goal is twofold. One, um, you know, we've used the 80-20 principle that a lot of people are familiar with. And we said, okay, let's say 20% of the people, they're just never going to go there. We're not going to worry about them. Let's shoot for 80%. And to bring you back to our first broadcast, I think it was the first one, might have been the second, um, we have seen prayer cords uh, that was a third of a church that within two years get to 80% good prayer lives mm. starting at 25. So we have seen that achieved. And again, that's a three minute a day strategy with coffee or lunch with two of your friends once a month. So it's very, very doable. And then the five years, so five Y80 is five years for 80% of the church. And it's an arbitrary goal of five years, but I would say this is that, you know, we do ask people, you think God wants you to have a good prayer life? And they all, almost every single one of them say yes. We don't ask them if they think um, God wants them to have a good prayer life for five years. But if you were to ask Jesus, you know, Lord, do you want me to have a good prayer life? You know, yes. Do you want me to have one for five years? He'd probably say something like, well, that would be great. And then if you asked him, do you want me to have one for my whole life? He'd say, well, that's probably my goal. You know, so. (laughs) Yes, I think it is. (laughs) So I I think, you know, by just taking an arbitrary number of five years, it just sets an objective up that we would be done with in five years. But if it could be achieved, it would be monumentally large scale. And it's certainly um, not anything that's going to happen unless the Lord wanted it to happen because it's way too big for human beings to pull off. Mm-hmm. Well, um, wait, I'm sorry. I got to give you the five million. Okay, go ahead. So, um, if you went to the website, one of the menu items is the five way objective. If you download that, there's two pages. The second page is a mathematical interpretation of the five way objective and. All we did was we took a super conservative estimate of the number of Christians in the country at 3%. And if that was the case, it's a little over 9 million people. 
um, we're getting rid of 20% of those people. You know, that's the 80, you know, we're letting 20% go. Mm -hmm. That gets us down to 7.3 million people. And we know from the research that about 2 million of them already have a good or mature prayer life. So that leaves us with 5 million more people that don't have one that will tell you in their surveys that they want to work on getting one. And again, we know if it's, if you're asking too much, they won't be able to get it done. But if you make it easy to start and you pray them into growth, it can be done. So that's where the 5 million comes from. And if you look at those numbers, it's not far fetched. And the truth is if there's three, I mean, if there's six or 9% or 12% or even more Christians in the country, that number could be 10 or 20 or 30 million people. And you can imagine if we had 20 or 30 million people that developed good prayer lives for the first time, it's got to do something, Chris, because the Bible says prayer has power. And, you know, why not have the, the preponderance of the church praying effectively? Absolutely. Now, you clearly are a man of great faith, although you have done your research, and you also believe in a great God. I can tell that. But what is it that helps you believe it's possible to raise up this kind of prayer army? What goes into that? Well, I would say three things. The first one is what I just said, and that's the numbers, you know, if you look at that that mathematical interpretation of the five-way objective. It, it is not pie in the sky if a sincere Christian's willing to try to grow. Okay, so that's the first thing, that the numbers aren't that far-fetched. Secondly, it's the scripture itself. And I would submit to you a handful of scriptures real quickly about prayer. And one is Colossians 4, uh, verse 2 says, devote yourselves to prayer. And the verb tense, devote, is a very strong word. It's not, you know, casual. Mm -hmm. So devote yourselves to prayer. Romans 12, 12, be faithful in prayer. Um, Acts 2.42, very common verse, says that the church was continually devoting themselves to prayer. It says three other things, but they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Then two more, the classic one out of James 5.16 that we all know, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much or can accomplish much. Mm -hmm. Remember, God specifically says in that passage that Elijah was a person just like us. You know, it wasn't that he was Superman, that he was a person like us, and he changed the weather for three and a half years, and we're told that to encourage us to pray. And then the last one, which I think is super pertinent, is Jesus in Matthew 21, verses 21, and, chapter 21, verses 21 and 22, he says, I tell you the truth, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to this fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. And you know what? We know from Al Vandegren's work and from the scripture that any prayer in God's will will be answered. So if you have a Christian who is the average Christian that doesn't currently have a good prayer life, if they sincerely want to try to get better and we get them in a prayer court or on a 5Y80 team where someone's praying for them to grow in prayer every day, they will grow because over time, God's promised to answer that prayer as long as they're open to it. You know, if they're, if they're saying it but not sincere, then it's probably not going to happen. But so we know, we know definitively from Scripture that prayer is powerful and that prayer can drive more prayer. 
Well, just and, to uh, hear you go, you know, back to back with those five scripture passages, those are very faith building. Yes. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, don't remember his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we're prayer. The scripture is, is just prayer is a central component of scripture. So it's really sort of amazing that unfortunately the American church has been so ineffective for so many people. And again, said it before, there are people that are doing fabulous and there are churches that are doing fabulous. Don't mean to say they aren't there. They are. But the preponderance of the church, the average American Christian is an untapped sleeping giant. Mm. Well, what other things help you believe it's possible to raise up this kind of prayer army? Well, I tell you a few uh, short stories, and I'll throw a disclaimer out and say a couple of them. Um, some of the listeners might think are a little goofy or strange. Uh, I will allow you to make up your own mind, and you can ask the Lord one day if He did it or if it was just something that was a coincidence. Okay. But one of them is I was um, still working in the business world, and I came to work one day. I was driving in to the parking lot and I was, uh, and I had my first foot partly out the door getting into ministry. Now I was listening to a cassette tape dates me again um, <laughs> by uh, Andy Stanley called visioneering. It was about bringing oh. a vision to birth. And my wife had heard him on Moody radio and ordered the tape for me. And as I pulled into the parking spot, the tape jammed and this is how it jammed. It went, don't let the vision die, jam. Oh, wow. <laughs> and and those, those of us, our kids don't know this, but, you know, you pull the tape out and there's all this tape hanging down like spaghetti. And normally you roll it back in with a pencil. I just wadded it up and put it in the case and put it on my desk because, you know, that tape jammed saying, don't let the vision die. It might have been a coincidence, but I can tell you that over these many years, there's been many difficult times to keep persevering. And I've always felt like God told me, don't let the vision die. Keep working, keep working, keep working. That's your job. You know, that all you can do is what you can do. So that that's what I've tried to do. A second story that's got a partly similar ring to it is, um, again, when I was just starting out in the ministry work, I saw an ad for a Nalcopole third annual prayer conference and Nalcopole was an acronym for national association of local church prayer leaders. And uh, that has now been renamed CPLN church prayer leaders network, which is run by John oh, Graham. Yes. I've heard of that one. <laughs> okay. And <clears throat> anyway, I told my wife, Hey, I'll go out and I'll check this out. It's a huge prayer conference. They'll, you know, I'll either find that people are already doing what I think I'm supposed to do and I can work with them or I can, uh, skip that and go do something else because someone's already doing it. So I go out to the conference and within the first two days, by the end of the second day, I had located five different ministries that all had components of things that were going into SPI, but nobody that was working as broadly, as comprehensively, and as strategically targeting the average American Christian. So I was convinced that I had to um, try to work on this. So uh, the conference was at a church that so was across the parking lot from the World Prayer Center, which is out in Washington, uh, Colorado. 
And I went over there at the end of the day and I was praying in there for a while. And then I came out and I walked out the door and my rental car was about 30 feet away. And I had one of those spontaneous prayers that, you know, it was just, you know, just your heart, just what was on your heart. And I said, oh, God, do I really want to do this? This is going to be so difficult and it's probably not even possible. Hmm. And I got in the car and I turned the key. And the first words that came out of the radio were a three strand cord is not easily broken. And I went back to Illinois and my pastor, Ray Pritchard, he'd been consulting on these projects for the first year or two. And I was meeting with him and I said, I told him the story. I said, now, Ray, this could be a coincidence, but this is what happened. And he looked at me and goes, Mike, that is not a coincidence. Then he said, you know, Evelyn Christensen's coming to our church in three weeks and she's been putting people in groups of three for decades to help them to pray. So that's not a coincidence. So I don't know. I'll ask God one day. Okay. But it did say a three strand cord is not easily broken. And none of the prayer cord stuff was really developed yet at that time and had no idea that we could get a third of a church to 80% good prayer lives, you know, with that simple strategy. So um, that was another story. Uh, the third one, I'm going to tell you this one. Um, I, I, I think this is God. I cannot dismiss the second part of the story. I went to the National Day of Prayer Conference out at Focus on the Family in Colorado, and I'd only been there that one time. I'd never been back. And I sat down for lunch the first or second day, and I sat next to a guy. His name was Pastor Dave from Kansas. And Dave asked me what I did, and I explained to him what I did. And he said, you know, that's really interesting because I've been praying for God to let me meet someone here to help me help my church become a house of prayer. Hmm. And so I explained the different prototypes we had already run and the possible changes to the next prototype. And Dave actually made a suggestion that was one of the four changes that we changed with his church's prototype, which was the first breakthrough church. And um <clears throat> So we had agreed on everything we were going to do with his church. And then he went back to Kansas and the wife of the chairman of his leadership team said, Pastor Dave, I found something that I think can help our church. And he said, oh, what is it? And she said, well, I put a copy of it on your pulpit. So he goes over his pulpit and picks it up and it's a Xerox copy that's dating again, mm-hmm. you know, a copy of an article from Prey Magazine about strategic prayer initiative and everything we already agreed to do at his church. (laughs) And she lays this on his, on his pulpit, you know, well, everything seemed to line up there, didn't it? Well, and it was the only um, issue of Prairie magazine that had articles on the strategic prayer initiative. And I didn't know it at the time, but it was also the last, the second to the last issue that would be published. Uh Uh-huh because navigators had trouble financially and had to cancel a couple of their publications. Anyway, I, I think that second point of the, the piece of information laying down, confirming what we've already discussed, I, I cannot think of that as not God. Now, here's the last one. And this is, you know, you know that the, med- the uh, Charisma Media audience, I assume, leans more towards the charismatic bent. Yes. Um, I, I've been in churches that are a broad spectrum, the four churches I've been in in my life have been um, different 
and mm-hmm. you know some more one way and some more different way. But the particular church that I'm in at the moment is a reformed church, mm-hmm. and there was a prayer meeting going on that was from a group of people that rotated to a different church every month. And a guy named Phil, a friend of mine, had been uh, sponsoring this at our church that particular month. So I went to this meeting, and there's maybe 20 people there, and lasted 45 minutes or an hour of prayer. And then they had communion afterwards. And I and Phil was had a loaf of bread, and people were breaking off a piece. And then you'd walk over to this woman who had a, a little cup with grape juice in it, and you would dip it in. And when I walked up to the woman she looked at me and she didn't say this is the blood of christ shed for you um which is a wonderful and normal thing to say she looked at me and out of the blue she said get ready it's about to begin it's going to be very rapid and it's going to be much bigger than you think and i went back to my seat and i'm thinking what is she talking about is is this could this be about spi and I just, I didn't know what to think about it. And so I actually found out her name and called her up and asked her if she'd been used prophetically. And I have a comment on this, so mm-hmm. I'm going to qualify what I'm going to say. So if any listeners are getting cautious, I'll qualify this. But uh, I even found some people that knew her and called her up and asked, you know, is this woman credible? And and um, she, you know, everybody said she was credible. And what I want to say is that um, in the book of Acts, in Acts 11:27, there's a prophet named Agabus, and Agabus prophesies about a famine. Now, Agabus, nobody's written his words down and stuck them in the canon of Scripture, okay? Right. And so I don't think we have prophets like we had <clears throat> when Scripture was being given. But it, it does appear to me, scripturally, and even from non-charismatic churches that people do believe that at times God can speak through a person. And to the best of my knowledge, I think he might've spoken through this woman. And the good news is that if he did, then it's his ball game. Right. Exactly. Her words will come true. And if he didn't, then uh, no harm done because we're not making any radical, horrible, serious, problematic decisions, you know? Mm-hmm. So well, anyway, you're always those, told to test the prophecy anyway. Yes, and it, and it stood up to scripture, and it stood up to character, and it stood up to track record. So to the best of my knowledge, that really could have been a word from God. And there was something I can't tell you about today that seemed to confirm it later on. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, there's another story I'm not going to tell you today either about Mount St. Helens that has very strong significance to me, but I, I, we don't have time to do that. So, But those are the things that drive me and the things that encourage me. And I do think God's been heavily involved, but I don't know that for 100% fact. And, you know, the proof's in the pudding, and if God's involved, there'll be pudding. And so far, you have seen some pudding, so that's great. <laughs> we've, we've seen some very good pudding, but remember, the mission is the large-scale change. Yes. So we don't have, we don't have that at this well, moment Well, it, it, this is a years-long effort, isn't it? That is true. And it took a long time to get here, and there's a lot of growth and benefit over the years because of this. And so we're in a, we're in a position where we can really help people now. And at the very beginning, we were just speculating that we could help them. Mm-hmm. 
Well, do you think churches in America can get this done? And, and does it really need to come through the church or through organizations like yours or sort of all together, working all together? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I, I would say this, that to change the prayer life of a church would mean changing the culture of the church. It can be done. We have done it. However, it's very difficult to change the culture of a business, let alone a church. In a business, you can fire and hire and make things job requirements. In church, it's a volunteer organization. Mm -hmm. So changing the culture of a church is not easy. And uh, it can be done with the right leadership if they want to. And we have ways that have been proven to be able to do that, and we can help them to do that. Now, that said, I don't mean this as a criticism at all. Churches are complicated. They have a lot of things going on. Things happen. Things change. They got to make new decisions because somebody left or somebody died or something. I mean, it's just not, it's not simple to, to, to turn that ship. But on the grassroots level, which is where I think the true hope is, it is very simple to turn that ship because one person can turn on a dime. There's the guy in my court who's from England. He's got a couple churches in England. They're using, uh, they were using the uh, pink sheet prayer guide that he was making, and then he got sick. And someone in England kept making it for the year and a half that my friend was sick. And they, those guys still use that, and they create the one that's on the website for the United Kingdom. And there's a story that my friend told me about a guy, I'll call him Bill, in one of those churches. And the pastor said to Bill one day, he said, Bill, um, you know, when you come to prayer meeting, it's, you're like a different person. I mean, you're, 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 you speak differently. You, you, everything comes off different. I mean, you just seem so much more, I don't know if you use the word mature, but that's the way I took it. He said, can I ask what's going on? And Bill said to him, well, you know, when we took that, that eight minute long 14 question SPI survey, which I, uh, recommend that everybody use that on themselves or other people or your small group or your church. And the website has all the information and all the ways to do that. But he said, when I took that survey, I looked at where I was at and I said, this has been this way for far too long. I need to change. Hmm. And he changed. And that can take place for tens of millions of people because on an individual level, you can change. I mean, with the prayer cords, you can change in within 90 days, you will probably have tremendous change because of what's being used to help you and how easy it is to start out. And within two years, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be very, very different. And again, if that's a three minute a day strategy and coffee or lunch with your two friends once a month, and if that's too burdensome, then there's the 5Y80 teams, which are even less. They don't make you do anything other than have people praying for you to grow in prayer daily and checking in once a month to see how you're doing. You don't have to do anything other than try to get better and tell how you're doing once a month. And those, the 5Y80 teams, if you go to the website, there's a menu button called launches or launch approaches, I think it says. 
and the 5080 team's information is one of the launch approaches. I, I advocate a cord. I think it's much better, but if it's too much, there's another way to do it. But don't not do it. Don't not get better because the, the, the Lord needs us to step to the plate, and prayer is one of the things he's given us. Yes, so everybody can take part in this, and everybody can see some change in their prayer life for the betterment of the kingdom. Some. They, can, they, can get, they can definitely improve and feel it and know it, and the relationship with the Lord will improve too. Oh, that's very encouraging. Thank you, Mike, for doing all of this hard work and getting these tools and resources to the body of Christ through the Strategic Prayer Initiative. I want to give your website again, which is spiprayer.org. And I want to just give you an opportunity for one last question as we close out this final episode in sure. our series. And that is, as you look back on our series, what would you like the listeners to come away from after listening to it? Uh, sure. <clears throat> That's easy for me. You know, the first thing I would say is, if you have a good prayer life, maintain it. If you don't have a good prayer life, make the commitment to start to develop one. And if you already have the good one, definitely help two other people. Okay, that's the first point. Second point, use a short survey. The short surveys are, you mean, if, if you're going to help yourself, take the survey yourself um, and then give it to a couple people and say, look, I'm thinking about getting a better prayer life. I've got this eight-minute survey. Would you be willing to take it? And then based on the results, if they don't want help, don't go any further. You know, no, no pressure. But if they say they'd like to get better, then form a cord with them. Remember, it's supposed to be the same gender. That is important. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, the survey, use it, then form the cord. If the cord's too much, form a 5Y80 team. And lastly, I'd say become part of the 5Y80 objective. You know, be one of those people that says, hey, you know what? A good prize, that would please the Lord. I, I think I will do that. And five years sounds like a long time, but... On the other hand, I mean, I know he wants me to have it, so why not take a shot at it? Because, you know, if we could wake this giant, Chris, if we could wake this giant, it would have immense implications for the country. And we're losing battles all over the place, but if we're not fighting them on the spiritual front also, then we're leaving one of the most important components of the whole thing out. That's a good word, Mike. Would you close us as we finish our series together, that we might be able to wake this sleeping giant? Absolutely. Um, Father God, you know what you want, and we are your people. You are the vine, and we're just the branches. And we're trying to do what you've told us to do in Scripture. And Lord, all I can say is, if you want your people that are listening that don't have a good prayer life to have a good prayer life, that you will quicken in their heart to do that, that they would be like the guy Bill from England, and they would say, enough's enough. It's time to change. So God, we can't do this. We believe it's on your heart. So we're asking that you would do it. We ask, Father, that you will bring the people, the resources, the networking, and the timing to make the 5Y80 objective a reality. And I pray, God, if that woman's words were from you, that it would be much bigger than the five million that we've already set out for. And I pray it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Michael Jeb, for being with us and for sharing your good work 
with the Strategic Prayer Initiative. Once again, we want to point people to the website, which is what, Mike? It's spiprayer.org, spiprayer.org. Excellent. I'm Chris Johnson. Thanks for joining us for this visit on Charisma Connection. And earlier, Mike mentioned John Graff. We do have a podcast with him. It's called Pray Beyond with John Graff. And I hope you'll check that out at cpnshows.com. And we also have our new app, which you can find at cpnshows.com or charismamediaaudio.com. You can sign up for a free 10-day trial where you can listen to Charisma Magazine instead of just reading it. So listen in the spirit today at charismamediaaudio.com. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible.